All right. Well, if you guys would open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. Let's read through our passage today and then we'll go back over it and uh, and see what the Lord has in store for us. 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 7. It says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Verse 8, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. However, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother, and why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Amen. Guys, ready for this? John doesn't really hold back any punches, does he? We're going verse by verse, by the way. Um, and I think it's so cool where the Lord speaks to your heart, and uh, and it's just it's at the right time, at the right moment. And because uh, some some of these studies, some people have come up and they're like, "Why did what else did my wife tell you, huh?" And it's like, "No one told me anything. That's just how the Lord works. He just speaks to you, you know, through His Word." And so. Um, I think it's really cool how the Lord's been speaking to me a whole bunch through these studies as well. So um, I'm really looking forward to um, continuing on through John here. Um, so in all nine verses that we just read, there is four contrasts that John is giving us and dealing with really one command, one imperative, if you will. Uh, through this one command, the rest of our study, it, it's going to come from this one command. And this command in, involves deception, uh, in which these four contrasts that John gives us comes. And so those contrasts, I'll just give it to you guys up front, and then we'll go back over it. But the first one is righteousness and sin. That's going to be in verses 7 through 9. And then secondly, it's the second contrast is children of God and children of the devil. That's going to be in verses 10. And then the third contrast will be love and hate. That's going to be in verses 11 through 13. And then the fourth contrast is death and life. And that's going to be in verses 14 and 15. So let's go back to verse 7. And, and this thought of, you know, this imperative, this command, it's do not be deceived, right? And so look at verse 7. It says, little children, let no one deceive you. So John is starting it off 
with the command not to be deceived. And that word little children, by the way, uh, technion, it's mentioned eight times in the New Testament. In fact, seven of those eight times, it's mentioned here in 1 John. So very interesting, um, or not. But it carries the idea of an infant baby, right? Uh, that we would say a new believer, one uh, who is, it's brand new, everything's brand new. They don't understand, you know, those strong doctrinal issues yet, or they can't carry on a, a heavy conversation about doctrinal issues and, and whatnot. So why would John address these new believers here? Um, I think it's interesting because new believers... If you think about it, they're, they're easily deceived, in a sense. And, and the command is, well, let no one deceive you, new believer, right? And, and that word deceive, it's used 39 times in the New Testament. And it means to be led astray. And this command is in the present tense, in the active voice, by the way. So uh, it implies an action that is already... Uh, in progress that needs to stop. That's the idea here. So the, the, hear the heart cry, by the way. John is saying precious believers, right? New believers, precious church. Hey, body of Christ, listen up. Stop, stop being deceived. Stop it. The, the deception's already here. Don't fall into it, right? Don't listen in. Don't give in to it because it'll take you. You'll, you'll sway with it. And by the way, turn to Matthew chapter 24, please. Matthew 24. Jesus is giving us some info about the day that we live in today. Um, I believe he's speaking about the end times, right? The times that we're in, the, the last days, however you want to phrase that. But today we have many people who are deceiving and are being deceived themselves. And sad to say, some of the believers are even getting caught up in this stuff. And, and they need to watch out. That's what John is saying right here. Watch out, right? Be aware, be alert, and get out of there. That's <laughs> the idea. Now, Matthew 24, look at verse 4. It says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Right? So what, what's one thing that we know of of our day today based on this verse? Well, there's going to be many that are coming in his name who are going to deceive many, right? There's going to be a lot of people. There's going to be a great deception happening prior to his coming. <clears throat> Look down at verse 24. It says, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Very interesting how God would throw that in there for us to even know about. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, um, I'll just read it to you. It says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception, there it is, among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
They didn't want that love. They wanted church. They wanted church, churchianity, if you will, right? To get involved and do the things in the church and be a, 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 a part of something. But they rejected the love of the truth, right? Of the word of God, of God himself, that personal relationship. Um, back to 1 John chapter 3. Um, so that with that in mind, let's look at the first contrast here. It's righteousness and sin. And that's going to be in verses 7 through 9. And the thought here is stop being deceived about two things. About what? According to verse 7, about righteousness and sin. Don't be deceived about these two things. That, that's the idea here. So let's see what the Bible has to say about these two issues here. Let's start with righteousness first. Notice in verse 7, it says, Little children... Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So notice we are to stop being deceived about what? About practicing righteousness. Very interesting. Understanding uh, that practicing righteousness does not make you righteous, right? Righteousness in your life, the righteousness of God, is really just proof that you are a follower of Christ, that you believe in him, that you uh, have chosen him, and thus his righteousness is shining through your life. It's going to be evident, it's going to be proof that you're a believer, that you're a follower of Christ. So, uh, by the way, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And lots of people believe that by practicing righteous acts, uh, you know, that they will have a right relationship with God somehow, as long as they're, you know, doing this or doing that. And, you know, if I pray more, if I do more good things, that somehow I'll be in good, you know, um, a good position before God, and I'll, I'll, I'll look good in his eyes, right? Because, Lord, look at, I brought my resume with me. Look at all the stuff I did, all right? And that's that's the thought here, that new believers are tempted to 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 think of, right? That if I I do more, then I'm going to be well-pleasing in God's sight. But those who are mature in Christ, they know, no, it's not about us. It's about him. It's always been about him, and it'll always be about him, right? It's not like all of a sudden you come on the scene because you're an NFL player or whatever, right? And whoa, all of a sudden you change up everything. It's about you. No. When you read the Bible, you realize that there is nothing that you can do to become righteous, and have a good standing with God on our own performance. You see, religion, religion kills. It really does. Religion is what teaches us, you know, we, we can work our way to the Lord. That's, that's kind of like the law, right? It, it brings us into bondage, into saying, if you do this, then that will be the result. Um, but it, think about it. It's the religious people who crucified Christ, right? They rejected Jesus, and so, do we really want to listen to them? <laughs> you read the Bible, I think we learned our lesson, right? We shouldn't really do that. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And a lot of, you know, your, your Jehovah's Witness, Mormon's friends, and, and, and you, the list goes on, right, of these religions. You tell them that simple fact that, hey, it's, it's not about doing things to, you know, to know God, and to be pleasing in his sight, it's just about knowing him, spending time with him, and not doing things to get close to him. And, and that alone will shock them, right? It'll, it'll, it'll shake up their foundation and be like, 
that's right. What am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm forsaking my, that love of the truth, right, that we just talked about. And, and they're turning to workspace instead. That was the trickery and the deception back in the early days, right, with the Judaizers and whatnot. It was the, the temptation to draw, you know, look like us. You got to wear this hat, right? And you got to, you know, do this. And no, wash your hands like this. <laughs> it was all this stuff. No, don't worry about all that just know Jesus. So in Isaiah chapter 64, I think it's interesting because it says all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. That's disgusting. (laughs) Consider the filthy rags back in their days, right? It's pretty gross. Um, This is speaking about all of us, by the way, not just me, right? (laughs) This is all of us. We, We are our righteousness before God, it's filthy. It's disgusting. He doesn't want our performance, right? He wants to do a work in and through our lives. And according to Romans chapter 7, verse 18, Paul says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So nothing good can be produced through me, right, or out of me, it has to be from the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. And uh, look at Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 9. It says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but, and notice that, by the way, I'm going to slow down, and be found by him, not having my own righteousness. You see, When I'm found by the Lord, I don't want to be found in my own righteousness. I want to be found in his righteousness, which is from the law. That would be from yourself, right? Your own flesh, your own performance. But that which is through faith in Christ, that's where it's at. It's our faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. I love this. My righteousness is from God alone in faith, by faith, right? And not by the law and thinking that it's based on my performance and somehow I'm going to do something to achieve something. Um, but And it's not by my, my wonderful faith, right? <laughs> right? It's the faith, right? In, in Christ Jesus. So it has nothing to do with your faithfulness. And it's all about Christ alone and his faithfulness. Amen, church? Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 13, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And he is faithful to make us what? He's faithful to make us righteous. You see, he puts, he, uh, he puts his righteousness and accredits to our accounts, right? So now when he looks at our account, no longer does he see us and our righteousness, right, caught in our own good, but he sees himself on the cross. He sees the things that he's done for you and I. You and I have been purchased, we've been redeemed, we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? And so we're free in Christ, right? We're free. We're no longer of the law and in the law. We are of grace now. Not to go on sinning. Certainly not, Paul would say. Uh-oh, you got the whole... No, it's about pleasing him and knowing him, right? So um, don't be deceived about righteousness. And secondly, don't be deceived about sin. Let's go on to sin. This is in verse 8. It says... He who sins is of the devil. 
That word sin, this is in the present tense um, active voice right here. Um, it indicates a continual repetitive action, by the way. So this is a sin that is, um, you know, practiced often. It's, it's repeated often. These people know what they're, they're doing and they know, they know what's right, but they choose not to walk in what is right. Right? They know what is wrong and they choose to follow what is wrong. They know it's morally wrong. They know it's, you know, biblically wrong. But when you have, you've been set free from sin and you continue living on in this regular lifestyle of sin, you should question your eternal salvation. And that's what John is saying here. Hey, have you actually been set free? That's a good question. And John would say to this crowd that they're not of God, but rather they're of the devil. And speaking to those who are not believers, the true followers of Christ, right? Now, believers, they, we, we still fo- follow, we follow the Lord, right? But we stumble, we, 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 we fall short of the glory of God, right? And, and we do stumble, we fall, we make mistakes. But the thing is about us is we have a whole bunch of shame. We have a whole bunch of guilt, right? It, it, it doesn't feel good to sin, at all and it's really really hard we go to war daily right and ephesians makes it very clear that we wrestle not against the flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and and so on so but i we feel guilt we feel the shame when we fall right we stumble but worldly people they you know they'll willfully engage in sin and they have no guilt, they have no shame about it, they, they don't care if they use God's name in vain, there's no conviction, but for the believer, there's a whole bunch of conviction, it's like, what did I just say? Oh, what am I doing? Because you're doing it before God, right? God sees those who are his, and they, those who are his, they know it, and, and, and you can't go on living a lifestyle of sin, a repetitive lifestyle is what I'm trying to say here, right? There's people who are willingly, and they're, that's the world, those who are believers, they don't stay stuck in the mud. They get out of there. They come, they return to the Father. And so, notice it says, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. So, and we'll get back to that thought too, coming back. But let's go on to this one. The devil has sinned from the beginning. And did you guys know Satan is the devil? He's the devil. And he is a created being, right? Created by God himself. And Lucifer was a, a cherub. He was an angel of God, according to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. And Lucifer, he sinned prior to the Garden of Eve, right? Before uh, tempting Eve into sin there. But in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, it says, for, uh, and this is God speaking to Lucifer, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yikes. Ugh, it just feels gross just reading that. Um, but here's the, the five I will statements, right? The, I call it the five I, I, I's of Satan. <laughs> really, Satan? Seriously? But God said, when he said all that, God said, no, you don't. Boop! And he said, ah! And he fell from heaven, right? And according to Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, and he threw them to the planet Mars, 
No, <laughs> they came here to earth, right? They're not on the moon. And they, this is where they are. There's a third of the angels that went down out of heaven. And so according to John chapter 8, verse 44, uh, it says, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Was he a murderer from the middle, maybe? Maybe after a couple millions of years, then he became a murderer. The Bible says, if you want to be biblically sound, he was a murderer from the very, very start, from the very beginning, right? And this is Jesus as telling us this. This is Jesus who was there from the beginning. And he was a murderer from the beginning. So now we have two-thirds of good angels, and we have one-third of bad angels. I'm so glad that there's more good angels. <laughs> but Satan sinned from the beginning. And it says right here, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus Christ was made, he was revealed, he was made known, he was uh, uh, brought to light, we would say. And according to verse 8, it was to destroy the works of Satan. Very interesting. One work of Satan, I think, uh, is death. That's one of the works that I see as biblical. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, this is when death was defeated. And also when our sins were forgiven, by the way, according to Romans chapter 4 verse 25, it says, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So there's his death and bear, his resurrection. So um, sin and death were both defeated at the cross. Very interesting. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 verse 55, it says, oh death, where's your sting? Oh Hades, where's your victory? Right? So it was defeated at the cross. That's where. And look at Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 14. It says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself, so they, you know, we're of, you know, the flesh, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, so according to Philippians chapter 2, right, he took on the form of man, uh, his creation, through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, speaking of Satan, that is the devil. Um, very interesting. So Jesus destroyed the work of Satan at the cross. And you and I have an opportunity now, because of that, to receive eternal life, right? To be set free, to be uh, in a right relationship, a right standing with the Lord, which is awesome. So also, he didn't destroy Satan, by the way, at the cross, um, he, Satan, he hates you and me. Uh, he's the accuser of the brethren. According to Revelation, he is standing at, at the throne room of God, and he's accusing you and I daily. He's constantly. But he said, but she, did you see that? Did you see? Look. <laughs> and Jesus is like, nah, he's, they're covered, right? We're covered by the blood of Christ. Not to go on and mess up, but we're covered by grace, but when we mess up, what happens? We repent of our sin, right? We, we return back to the Lord. So, um, 
So, by the way, Satan, he's like that, that lion without no teeth, right? He's roaring with no teeth. You're like, oh, he's got a, he's got a roar, but he's got no bite. Um, um, <laughs> he can't touch you because he's just all booga, 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 booga. And you're like, that's all you got? Okay, well, good night, right? <laughs> Because he can't touch you. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, if you want to turn there, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of this glory, uh, of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is something that the, the, those in the Old Testament, they didn't understand. This was a mystery, and yet this mystery was revealed to you and I that we can have fellowship with the Lord. It's so cool. So that's why he can't touch you, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Because of Christ in us, there's nothing that the enemy can do to defeat us because he can't defeat him right because nothing can defeat the lord and it's important that we put the lord jesus on by the way right he is he is our armor if you put on the lord jesus daily pick up your cross and you follow him what you're doing is you're you're automatically prepared to give the gospel right you're automatically going to put up the shield when sin comes your way and you're going to say uh-uh right? Because you are in a right standing with God. You're in a right relationship with the Lord. It's not like you got to get up every morning and put on this spiritual armor, right? Like do this weird dance and this put on this helmet, right? Do I got salvation? Yes, I got salvation. You put on the Lord Jesus, right? And he is our armor. He's our full-on armor. Uh, back to First John chapter 3. It says in verse 9, First John chapter 3, Verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Remember, this carries the idea of those who live in a repetitive lifestyle of sin. As believers, we, we miss the mark of perfection, right? But we're not, we don't willingly choose to disobey the Lord, right, and, and, and mess up repetitively, right, on a daily basis. But when we do sin, we make things right with the Lord. We, re, we uh, repent of our sins. We return to him. In fact, we set up boundaries. We, we set up accountability. We, we set up walls, and, and, and it's hard to turn back now, right? Because while well, we set up this whole, we already, we could, it said, the Bible says, confess your sins to one another. Why? So that you can glorify the Lord. But there's so much power within that as well, right? Where your brothers and your sisters, you, you just made yourself stronger and the church stronger because you exposed your weakness. And now what God can do is he strengthens us in our weaknesses, right? Which is pretty amazing. So um, but we have the word of God remaining in us. Notice in this verse that it says his seed remains in us. So it's the word of God. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through what? The word of God, which lives and abides forever. So as we abide in him, his word is abiding in us. And we cannot sin, the Bible makes it very clear. 
in this repetitive, habitual lifestyle of sin. And you would, you would be very miserable, by the way, if you really think about it. A believer, you know, pursuing sin who really loves God. You're going to be miserable because the Holy Spirit will not allow you to stay on living in that lifestyle. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Well, let's come to the second contrast. It's the children of God and the children of the devil. According to verse 10, it says, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So don't be, be deceived, family, and knowing who is the children of God and who is the children of the devil. Don't be deceived in whose family you are in, right? John is encouraging the believers that, hey, guys, you guys belong to the Lord. And these are the only two camps, by, by the way. There's no in-between. You're either with the Lord or you're against the Lord, right? And it doesn't matter how good of a person you are, you know, the things you've done in the past. It doesn't matter. You pick a side. You're already on one side, but you choose to jump to the other side and hurry it up, right? But how do you know if you are a child of God and or a child of the devil, right? How do you know? Well, there's two things that John gives us right here in verse 10. Um, number one, it involves practicing righteousness. Practicing righteousness. Notice it says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. I'm sorry. That's what the Bible says. So don't think you can live a lifestyle of sin, shaking your fist at God, doing whatever you please, right? Whatever you desire and whatever your passions are, following the ways of the world, right? And, and satisfying the flesh. And then when you die, expect to be in heaven. Hey, God, I'm here. By the way, I know I rejected you the whole time by my lifestyle and my heart, but, you know, now I'm here. Here I am, right? No. Um, I believe, by the way, every person in this room is going to go to heaven. Do you guys know that? Yeah? But how long are you going to stay there? <laughs> Who are you talking about? We're all going to be judged, right? So I don't know, right? We're going, to, we're going to come before the Lord, but there is another place. There's not just heaven. There's those, a place for people don't want fellowship with the Lord. They don't want to have a relationship with the Lord here. Then they're not going to have it there. And that place is called hell, right? People are like, H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> and they tell us. But, but there's a place as well. But yes, we're all going to get to heaven, right? You guys with me now? But, but uh, and we, I think a lot of us are believers in here, so it's pretty obvious if you have a relationship with the Lord, but, um, but for how long, right? So, and Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evidence, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things, notice, will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
This type of person's lifestyle makes it very clear that they have no clue who God is, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. There it is again. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. This is eternal life that he's talking about here, right? And, and we need to be serious in considering our ways. We got to be serious in counting the cost. Do I really want a lifestyle doing those things, that list? That's an ugly list, right? That's what I call the dirty list, right? Don't, don't do those things. Um, and, and you can't just not do those things. You got to know the Lord, right? And when you know the Lord, he will empower you and enable you and give you the grace that you need and the strength that you need to overcome by keeping your focus, right? That's all you got to do is just keep your eyes on him. And it helps to read your Bible. It helps to seek the Lord in prayer a lot. But let's go to the second thing here. It involves loving your brother. Notice in verse 10, it says, nor is he who does not love his brother. So love is the proof that we are a child of God. If we get the best, you know, unbeliever out there, I mean, think about it, this entire world, and we all nominated one person who's a non-believer, who's the best good person, done so many sacrifices in his life or her life, whoever, it's a he now, right? And, and, and even that person doesn't measure up at all. They, that love that they have is what we call conditional, right? That's the conditional love that that, that person would have, and it's based on, a, a, you know, you do this for me, and I'll love you if you do this. And you do that, and then I'll do this. And But God's love is unconditional. And that's the type of love that we as believers have, right? It's the unconditional love. And that's the love of Christ and from Christ. And it's loving them no matter what, right? Not enabling them in what they, whatever they want. That's not what I said. I said love them no matter what. Love is discerning. It's wise. It's, it's true. It's, um, man, there's so much within love, right? So uh, don't get the idea that just because you love your neighbor means you have to give them everything, right? There's, people have miscommunication there. But in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. It's to love God and love others, right? In uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, it's, Paul said, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So unbelievers get saved seeing this love of God in you, right? When you allow God to do his work in and through your life, that's the, the world's watching you. And they come to the Lord. If you notice uh, people's testimonies, one, a common thing that they say is the love of God, right? They, they saw the love of Christ and, and it brought them to tears. It broke them down because of the loving kindness of the Lord. But that was displayed in example through you as a believer. So, Praise the Lord for that. Let's come to the third contrast. 
It is love and hate, according to verse 11 and 13. And, and so don't be deceived about these two things as well, right? Don't be deceived about love and don't be deceived about hate. Um, it says in verse 11, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Right? Love, that's in verse 11. Don't be deceived about the message of love. Right? It's nothing new or different or you haven't heard of already, right? It's, 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 it's in the Old Testament. But speaking of the beginning of time and, and God's love for us, uh, especially at the moment we were born again, right? That love of, of God. We should love one another. Uh, notice it says that in verse, in verse 10, John said we should love our brothers, right? Speaking of believers, and honestly, it's easier to love other believers because we have something in common with them, right? Well, most, most of the time, I should say. But John changes it here. Notice in verse 11, to love one another, so that's love everyone, right? That's the idea, no matter what they've done to you. And notice, go down to verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandment. Go down to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Look at verse 11. Chapter 4, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Go to Second John verse 5. 2 John verse 5. It says, and now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. In John chapter 15, verse 12, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Right? In John chapter 15, verse 17, it says, these things I command you, that you love one another. There's about 30 more verses. You guys ready for this? Or do you guys all get it? I think we all get it, right? <laughs> it's repetitive. I think we get the idea. This, this Christmas season, I think, you know, we, we ought to look for opportunities, you know, to love one another. And, and it's the love of Christ, you know, that compels us, that constrains us. And, and it's because of his love that we're able to even love them, right? Because look at them. <laughs> right? Some of them, it's like, oh man, but only God can do that in and through your life, and he'll enable you and I to love one another. Now let's come to the second thing here, it's hate, right? Hate. Um, look at verse 12, it says, in, back in 1 John 3, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother, and why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous, I think this is a perfect illustration of love and hate that John gives us here. And when we look back at the history of man, right, uh, of Cain and Abel, um, turn with me to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Um, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 18, I think we all know this, so we don't, I won't go over all of it, but 
Cain was a tiller of the ground, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, right? And they both bring an offering to the Lord, a, a sacrifice, if you will, a, a worship offering, you know, something that was sweet before the Lord. And why did they do it? I don't know why. But they both brought it to the Lord. And Cain's offering was not acceptable to the Lord, but Abel's was. And so, but rather, I think it's interesting here, um, it was not accepted because of what they brought, rather they, how they brought it, right? So it wasn't the, the material thing. It, that, it has nothing to do with that. It was how they brought what they brought to the Lord. And let me show you guys. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 4. It's, there's the answer, by faith. Boom, there it is. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. So Abel brought his offering by faith. That was it. This that speaks of the motive. It had nothing to do with the material, whatever. You know, I've 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 read books, I've listened to teachings and um, chapters and chapters of reasons why God did not accept it. And um, but this speaks of the heart, right? This speaks of the motive. This speaks of the how they brought it, right? And and so Cain lacked righteousness. According to 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, we know that, therefore he lacked faith, righteousness, and love. He lacked all three of those things. That's why he hated, right? Hatred began to grow within him, and it was manifested, right, by the murder of his brother. And so it, notice it says back in First uh, John uh, chapter 3, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. So, by the way, if the world hates you, that word if, by the way, is in the first class condition. So it's, it's since and the world indeed does hate you, right? Since the world does hate you, why? Because they lack the same thing that Cain lacked. And what did Cain lack in his life? That was um, the, the same thing, right? It was faith, righteousness, and love. And so, therefore, the world hates you and I. But understand, Jesus said in John 15, verse 18, he said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you, right? So um, we love them no matter what, guys. And, and that's why, you know, we, we ought to pray for them, right? Pray for those around us um, and, and, uh, and just love on them, right? Because it's the love of Christ that compels us. We are in the faith. This is what we do naturally. I don't even have to tell you. It's just something we naturally do because you have the same Holy Spirit in you, right? So let's and um wow i got too excited on this study was, was i going too fast guys i gotta slow down here Woo! i get excited sorry if you guys see me up here going <laughs> i don't know we gotta do sign language or something um let's come to the fourth thing here and we'll we'll end with this one but death and life death and life notice in verse 14 it says uh, 
Well, let's, let's just reread this back at verse 10 just to get the thought again. It says in verse 10, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Uh, why was was it evil because he chose not to walk in faith in love right in righteousness and the righteousness of god if, if that so do not marvel my brethren if the world hates you we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren he who does not love his brother abides in death right verse 15 whoever hates his brother is a murderer Right, and that's pretty obvious because Jesus said, "If you if you uh, if you hate your brother, you've murdered him in your heart." So you already broke the commandment there: "Thou shall not murder." Oh, I hate that guy! Oh, right, boom! You just broke it, sinner. Right? Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So we know that we have passed from death to life. And this is something that we are commanded not to be deceived about. This is something you ought to be knowing about, right? These things, these subjects here. And so I think this is dealing with our eternal life, by the way, since in verse 15, he says eternal life. So I think it's within the same context here. And so don't be deceived about these issues of life and death because, well, it has eternal consequences. And notice there's so there's death and there's life so life notice in verse 14 let's look at that one we know that we have passed from death to life as believers we pass from being dead spiritually to now going on to eternal life in in christ jesus right john 10 10 jesus says um uh, well, the thief doesn't come but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give him life and that more abundantly, right? So the life that we live in Christ, it's abundant life. It's not just any life. It's abundant life. And notice why in verse 14, by the way, because we love the brethren, right? This is proof that you and I have a relationship with the Lord, that we know him, that we have him in our hearts, and we're a child of God, we're born again, right? That expression, uh, that, that, that terminology that was used in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, we're born again, we know the Lord, and his word abides in us. So Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Notice, so that's life. Let's look at death. Death is the contrast to life here, right? According to the, look at the end of verse 14. It says, he who does not love his brother abides in death. And whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So there is a death. There is a separation from God. There is a hell. This place is real. It's a place where the fire is just never quenched, right? Where the warm doesn't die. It's a place that churches don't talk about, honestly. I visited many. I've, I've listened. That's my, that's my hobby. I'm a, I'm a weird, strange guy. I listen to teachings all day. I love it. I just, I can't get enough of it since it's been on for years I've been doing this. And But I notice in a lot of 
uh, random teachings that I listen to, or random people like on YouTube, there's no mention of hell and sin, right? It's, it's one of those things that nobody's talking about. Why? Because this is going to be the size of their church <laughs> on a Wednesday night. Because it's not a popular thing, right? But what why wouldn't it be? That's what brings you to the Savior. You don't know that you need a Savior unless you understand that you're a sinner, right? How do I know if I need to be saved? How do I know? Because somebody came and said, hey, you're in danger. You can't see it, but if you keep going this way in the water, you're going to fall and you're going to come to the death, right? And if you believe on the Lord Jesus and in who he says he is, that word believe is an action word. It's just not saying a prayer. Lord, of course I believe in you. Well, duh, even the demons believe in God. God's real, right? All creation testifies of his existence that you can't look to the heavens and the stars. You can't look to your own blood cells and say, no, there's not a creator. That's just a silly little elementary argument, right? It makes you look dumb. <laughs> so, but when you realize that God is God and you enter into that relationship by believing on him, man, does he do a work in you. And that work is a beautiful work, isn't it? It's, it's a one of restoration where he, he brings us closer to his heart. And, and it's there's something about that love, right? Where we, we will never get enough of that, ever. You, you will just continually be like, oh, Lord, it's, I just love you. And, and you'll, you won't get enough. You'll never be satisfied um, because he's a, he is enough, right? But hell is real. And we need to be careful not to be deceived about these four subjects, these four contrasts that John gives us, right? And remember, he was writing to the infants, right? The new believers. Um, and so if you and wherever state you are in whatever area relationship you are with the Lord, um, make sure that you know these four contrasts, right? That you're not going to be tossed to and fro when different doctrines come your way and, and uh, push you around concerning these. Um, so since all of them, they all have eternal consequences. So uh, definitely consider those things in your life. So let's go ahead and stand up and let's pray, guys. We made it. Woo! Lord, we love you, Father, and, and uh, I know, um, man, I get excited, Lord, and I do ask that you would uh, that you would teach us, Lord, that you would continue to train us and equip us in your Word, Father, that we can go therefore into the world and and proclaim the gospel, Lord, that we can uh, be not ashamed of who you are and the work that you've done in our hearts, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your love would be just so real and so evident in our lives, Lord, that the light would just shine in every area and that we wouldn't, um, we just wouldn't be ashamed of you, Lord. We would speak forth your word. I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to fill us, Lord, as we go our way. And uh, this week, Lord, use us, Lord, um, and remind us to love, uh, honor, and serve, and fear, and, and bow before you, Father, and love you with our whole hearts, but also love others, Lord. I pray you would continue to teach us and train us and equip us uh, in that area, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.